0: Hi there, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. I'm continuing to read the insights I found while seeking to understand what the scriptures say the true church of God should look like. All of this information comes from my free ebook titled The True Church of God and it can be downloaded freely at the freegiftfromgod.com website. So let me continue reading and I hope you find something of value in the insights the Lord has given to me. One of the biggest issues the modern church has had is the question of women in ministry. Some years ago, it generated an enormous amount of discussion in the Anglican church, who eventually accepted it after some wrangling in their general synod meetings over a number of years. Other churches still do not accept that women can have a role in ministry. Some relegate women only to ministering to other women. Not that there is anything wrong with that, but why limit a person from any form of ministry on the basis of gender. Regardless of all of these issues, we need to look at what the Bible has to say about this matter. What we find in the Bible is a position that is at odds with the teachings of the modern church. The first thing we must understand is that there is no distinction in the Lord between men and women. Under the laws of Judaism, there were all kinds of distinctions where only men could serve as priests in the temple, for instance. But in Christ... There are no distinctions as we see in this verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 verse 28. So if there is neither male nor female in Christ Jesus, why would there be any distinction in ministries? Why would a man be able to do some ministries and a woman could not? We need to look deeper to see what else the Bible tells us. One of the first times we see that a woman operated in a ministry function was when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. After he had finished speaking and she realized that Jesus was the Christ, she immediately left the well and went back to her village, spreading the good news that the Messiah had come. Then the people believed her and came to see Jesus for themselves. The whole story is covered in John chapter 4, which includes these words in the story. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. John chapter 4 verse 39. This woman operated a ministry of evangelism and it was clear that she did it well for many of the people believed what she had to say and came to Christ. The Bible also shows us that women operated in the gift of prophecy for there were a number of women prophets in the early church. On the morrow we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. And he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Acts 21 verses 8 and 9. We also saw that a woman named Priscilla operated in a teaching ministry along with her husband Aquila. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, well versed in the scriptures. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and expounded to him the way of God more accurately. Acts 18, 26 Priscilla was teaching alongside her husband Aquila as they both spoke and taught Apollos the more accurate way of Jesus Christ. Which brings me to another scripture that is often used to prevent women from operating in a teaching or leadership ministry. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over men. She used to keep silent. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. While this scripture says that Paul did not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, it does not say that she cannot have authority with a man. This was clearly the case with Priscilla and Aquila, who worked together in their teaching and preaching ministry. Another point we see regarding women in ministry occurred after Jesus had died, Afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they sat at table and he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Mark 16 verses 9 to 14. There are a couple of things to note in this section of scripture. The first person that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection was a woman, Mary Magdalene. If we look at the Matthew version of this event, we get a few more insights into what happened that day. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Lo, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Hail! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Matthew 28, verses 1-10 So first, an angel appeared to the two Marys, Mary Magdalene, and the one we are told was the other Mary. This other Mary was most likely to have been Mary, the mother of Jesus. We are told in Mark's version of these same events, in Mark 15, verses 39-46 and Mark 16, verse 1, that this Mary was the mother of Joseph, James the Younger, and Salome. Furthermore, we know from Mark 6.3 that Mary, who was mother to Jesus, later had other children, including two named Joseph and James, and there were sisters as well. Thus, it's almost certain that this other Mary was the mother of Jesus. In the scripture quoted above, the angel of the Lord instructed the two Marys to go and tell the disciples of the Lord that Jesus had risen. Then as they were going, Jesus himself appeared to the women and likewise told them to go to the disciples and tell them he had risen and would see them in Galilee. This is important because what both Jesus and the angel of the Lord were doing was to entrust the most important ministry of Christianity, the resurrection, to women first. He commissioned them to go and preach the resurrection to his disciples. And this ministry is the most important teaching in Christianity because without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. And it's fascinating to see that these women were also the first eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Mary went and spoke to the disciples, telling them Jesus had risen, but they did not believe her, as is shown in the Mark 16 version of these events. When Jesus later appeared to the 11 disciples, he upbraided or rebuked them because they did not believe the women. Jesus rebuked and scolded the disciples because of their lack of faith and failure to believe what the women had told them about his resurrection. So we see in these events that the most important ministry of Christianity was first delivered to the women to preach to the early disciples. And Jesus was annoyed with the disciples because they failed to believe these women. Can a woman preach and teach and bear witness to the resurrection of the Lord? Absolutely. In these scriptures, we see that women were the first people appointed to bear witness to Christ's resurrection. It could also be argued that because they were sent out by the Lord to preach the word to the disciples, they were doing the ministry of an apostle because an apostle is one who is appointed and sent out by the Lord. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that these women were apostles, and I'm not suggesting that they were apostles but it's evident that they were doing the work of an apostle in this particular instance. But what about the other ministries of the church, such as eldership or deacons? Can a woman hold these offices in the church? Yes, they can. And there is sufficient evidence in the Bible where women were both elders and deacons. The role of deacon is easily seen, for we see women described as being deaconesses in the Bible. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deaconess of the church at Sancria, that you may receive her in the Lord as befits the saints, and help her in whatever she may require from you, for she has been a helper of many and of myself as well. Romans sixteen verses one and two. It's clear from this verse that a woman was a deacon and highly thought of by Paul and others in the church. Likewise in 1 Timothy three verses eight to eleven, where Paul defines the requirements for being a deacon, he also speaks about women as deacons. As for women in eldership, there have been attempts to deny women these roles over the many years, but it is evident that they did have women elders in the early churches. One of the most important scriptures is in the greeting of John in the second of his epistles. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. 2 John 1 verse 1. Now, looking at the translation from the Greek, we find that there has been a word added that completely changes the meaning of this greeting. The third word in this verse, to, is not in the Greek. It was not John as the elder writing to this elect lady, but rather John was writing to a woman who was an elder and an elect lady. This verse is more accurately rendered as the elder, the elect lady. This woman was certainly an elder in the church to which she belonged. So given all of this evidence, we can conclude that women were indeed involved in many of the ministries of the early church, and so they should not be excluded from ministry today. That's all I have for this week. I hope you found it interesting, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I continue looking at these aspects of the true church of God. All of the information I'm covering here is contained in a free ebook titled The True Church of God that can be downloaded from the freegiftfromgod.com website. So until next week, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off and hoping you have a blessed week ahead. God bless.